This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Acast, Anchor, and many other popular platforms. Good afternoon, Mr. Hudson. Good afternoon, Paul. Sorry, I'll just uh, taste a drop of my uh, Crown Royal bourbon, which uh, it was my favourite triple in Seattle. That's how I found the drink, and it's uh, been my favourite ever since, and it's wonderful to have a, uh, a bottle at home. You can't drink it in pubs because, you know, it's just one thing you've got to, yeah, you have to savour, Paul. So uh, being a bit of a connoisseur of alcohol, you know. <laughs> You've been known to have a few in, <laughs> in your time, buddy. Uh, no, well, well... I, I, I did leave a little message for Georgie Best, my old mate Jules, today. On, 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 I just flicked through Facebook and I, I left him a message saying that, you know, I, I was the first one up to see him in hospital and uh, I, what I said to him when I went to the hospital, uh, they allowed me in, which they weren't allowing people in, and Phil Hughes come out and got me and said, George, we'll see you. And uh, I said, George, I'm not, uh, I'm not here today for me. I said, I'm, I'm here to represent the whole of Chelsea. I said, people just love you living in the Kings Road. It's just so, it's just sad that you never signed for a site. You wanted to, and you'd have been even a, the, probably the biggest, probably along with Jimmy Greaves, you know, it would have been right up there with, well, he was in the world, wasn't he? Just a pity that this World Cup lark, he didn't, you know, he couldn't get to the big stage on with Northern Ireland. But yeah. it was, I, I think that, that I think that's what caused uh, his uh, downfall. I think he used to drink heavily around the World Cup time and and continued. And I think it had he been playing in the World Cup on the big stage like we've just seen in Qatar, I think he would have still been alive. You know. Absolutely, and uh, welcome all to Alan Hudson's American Dream, and uh, we're going to be talking about your time in America, uh, Young Hood, as uh, you were called, but now it's Young Hood Anthony, he's uh, yeah. manager of the American uh, national team, they've just played two games against Serbia and California, and just yeah. to keep the American theme going now, I'm drinking a, a king of beers, a Budweiser, while we're making this uh, this well, podcast to keep it American, although it was Czechoslovakian, wasn't it, originally? Well, I don't know about that. All I know, it wasn't my chip uh, or white. I like a couple of American beers, as it happens. I used to do uh, a, a, a... Oh, it was a clear bottle, and it was the most beautiful... Beer I've ever, the lager I've ever tasted. You couldn't get it here. And uh, I once, when I went down to Florida later on and bought a little home in Florida, uh, which is no longer there, I, I came across a, a, a alcoholic drink called Rolling Rock. Right. And it was like the champagne of beers. You've never tasted nothing. If you write it down, Paul, and ask... Uh, in fact, when I got to Stoke, it was a crazy thing that uh, when I come back from America and went, went to Stoke to play, play for Stoke the second time, it was amazing that uh, my friend had an American, uh, like a bistro bar where all the players used to go, players and all that, and I told him to order the Rolling Rock in, and, uh, and it went down like a uh, car. Oh, 
a house on fire, mate. It was unbelievable. And I do miss it. And I I, I should actually order it. I, I've seen it online. I should order it, really. It really is. If You know, it's one of those, if you don't like beer, you could taste this and you would say, oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I will now have, I, I now convert myself to beer probably a little bit expensive you buy it online over over you know because it's imported whatever but uh, it's well worth the extra fiver what else let's talk about alcohol uh, a bit because you did have a bar whilst you were in america i mean it wasn't like a bar that you bought it was your house in bellevue but you had a bar attached to it didn't you so you know alcohol was a big part of your lifestyle there in america well it's a fair it was the first thing as soon as i signed in seattle um Ken Fryer at Arsenal, who's still, is it, did he, did he leave us? I don't know. No, sure. I think he's I still with us. Mm, he's still with us. He's, he's in his 80s, Ken, and uh, he was my saviour at Arsenal. Uh, when I was falling out with Terry Neal, Ken was a, uh, a man that every football should have, uh, a football club should have. He was absolutely outstanding at his job. He was a gentleman. And when I was having big trouble with... Uh, with Arsenal, he <laughs> in the end he said to me, "This is the first time ever happened to me, Paul." He said to me, "Alan, uh, first of all, I think I might have told you the story when he called me in the office and said we've had a bid for you." And I went, "Oh, great!" And he he said, uh, it's "Spanish club," and I went, "Oh, wonderful! I would always wanted to play in Spain. Love the weather." And uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona, of course, yeah. And he went, "No, no, no," he said, "Hercules." And uh, I thought it was Steptoe's horse straight away. <laughs> he said, what are you laughing at? I went, yes, it's Steptoe's horse, Hercules. I said, you're kidding me. And he went, no, they put in a bid. And on Wikipedia, it actually says that I played for Hercules. Oh, does which, it really? Yeah, on, on one, well, I've seen it on site, but it's got my past clubs and it had on there Hercules, which I never did go to Spain. I've never been that part of the world anyway. I wouldn't even know where the football club is. Uh, um, and and then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, when I, after I'd met Bobby Moore, who'd been to Seattle, and Bobby talked me into going to meet, see Jimmy Gabriel, was in the, the restaurant at Stanford Bridge that particular day. I went to see Jimmy, and I signed, and uh, first night in the Space Needle, I knew it was a city uh, like they sing about New York. It was a city that never sleeps. It was uh, just a, an amazing place, and I'm very sad to hear that it's gone downhill, I but it was a, a, a wonderful, have. wonderful, in, wonderful introduction, mate. Wonderful, wonderful. It couldn't be better, you know. Ken, oh, Ken Fry said to me, yeah. He said, Alan. He said, he said, you've had a hard time here at Arsenal. This is the kind of man he was. Uh, uh, you know, this this is a tribute to him. Uh, and I've never heard anyone have a bad word about him in foot, which is rare in football clubs. And he said, uh, would you like me? Uh, he said, Jack Daly's flying in from Seattle tomorrow. He said, they want to sign you. You've already spoke to Jimmy Gabriel. You haven't spoke terms. You want me to go and sort your contract out for you? And I said, if you would, Ken, because I'm useless on contracts. I've never done one in my life. I've never talked about money. I always sign for football alone. And uh, he sat down in the room with at, at London Airport with me and Jack Daly, a very nice man who's Seattle's general manager. And he got me a deal that I would never, ever have dreamt of getting if I'd have done it myself. He just unbelievable. And, and he got me a 25 grand. 
uh, upfront payment. I mean, I left there for hundred grand. I've been assigned for Stoke for a quarter of a million for yeah. you know three years earlier, and then because I had a bad time, the roof fell off. I had a bad time at Arsenal for injury, and uh, which I apologise to Dave uh, to Pat Jennings online. <laughs> running up this morning I said I wish I could have played like you at Arsenal but um, yeah the 25 grand I put straight into the, the house we see in Bellevue on the hill and uh, and the first thing I did we had a, a, a introduced to an English builder who built the house called believe it or not Time and Sing, Time and Sing, uh, Time and Sinclair not Simon you know, unbelievable name. Yeah. It was just so it was so backward, but he was an absolutely top man. And I said, the first thing I want time, and I said, I love the house, but I need a bar built. And uh, I left him to it, went training. He, I come home and he said, it's finished. I said, you can't be finished. It's ridiculous. And uh, and what he did is built one of those American bars that you'll see on the TV in the, in the movies where the bar is built into the wall. Yeah, got you. Not like what we know as a bar. You walk in a pub and you sit at the bar. This yeah. was, the, I said, Simon, what have you done? I said, that's not a bar. I said, you're English. Don't you know? He said, well, I haven't been back to England for so many years. I don't know what. I said, no. And I sketched it out and he built me the most wonderful bar. And we had hell of a parties in there. And uh, everybody fell in, fell in love with my bar. And in particular, my music, uh, which we always play and we go through. And uh, I remember, I think we did on one of the shows, Alan Hinton, uh, I put George Benson singing The Greatest Lovable on one day and he started crying. Yeah. And he went, this is the most beautiful song I've ever met because Alan lost uh, Alan lost a son, uh, a son at an early age uh, and devastated the family. He was, he was a lovely man, Alan, and it devastated him. And I think that brought it all flooding back to him you know the greatest love of all is the love inside of you you know it's um it was a great george benson number whitney houston done it but anyway it's your ball anyway you you get the ball rolling mate no absolutely i love listening to your stories al because it's your stories it's your adventure stroke dream over yes. there in america and alan hinton did put up on uh, his socials last week that very story, and he said that was it Vince? Yeah, Vince Colucci was it? He said, I remember him taking us all to a George Benson concert while we were in America. Um, I don't know if you can recall going to uh, to watch George Benson with all the Seattle boys, or whether it was before your time, or well, no, Alan, Alan followed me there. But uh, I was there with Jimmy Gable and Jimmy got the sack. And that was a great story when I was going to pack up with Jimmy and he, he, I was in a King's Road restaurant and I, my mother called me with the news. Jimmy Gable's been on. Give me his number. I phoned him in Seattle and I said, Jimmy, if you're going, I'm going. And he said, Alan, don't be so stupid. He said, you love it here. He said, you've got a wonderful contact. You've got a wonderful life. I know every, you love it and everybody loves you. Stay. Please give Alan a chance. And... You know, that's the kind of people that you don't get in the football. You know, they're all, they're all, you don't get with Jose Marino or anyone like that wouldn't do something like that. You know, they, they're all the, with their egos and, you know, it's all me, 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 isn't it? You know, and I thought that was, and I, I've been back to Seattle since and I, I reminded him and he said, Alan, well, that's why you signed me. I said, Jim, Jim, yeah, because I knew that's what kind of man you were, you know. So I've got so, there's so many special memories, Paul, of Seattle. 
Absolutely. And uh, Alan Inson, of course, uh, was the... I think he was the manager, wasn't he, of Tulsa in your debut yes. for uh, yes. for Seattle. So there's there's such a connection and and what a winger, what a wide player Alan Inton was, not just in this country but uh, over in the states and managed Seattle to your fabulous season of 1982, which they're still talking about. And I did post up on your official Alan Hudson. Uh, Facebook page the other day, uh, a picture of the roster of all them players with uh, all your signatures. And uh, there was yeah. a lot of fans commenting and, and remembering those times so dearly. What was your favourite road trip? Because you used to do a load of road trips, didn't you, Al, before we go on to current stuff with... Uh, well, with the, the, the ex-wife will be well pleased with this one because it was a 10-day trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I can remember... I remember when I was playing at Stoke with and lived with Jeff Hurst, and I was a lot. He was my landlord, and Dame Judith was my landlady. I I had to move in with them when I signed there, and every time we went on a road trip, uh, and he used to pack his bags whistling, and Judith used to go nuts. She'd go, "How dare you be so rude? You know, can't you wait to get out the door? You know." And uh, me with a ten-day trip to Tampa Bay, we, we would go to. Play four games in 10 days. They talk about football today, and these were tough games. Uh, we'd go down playing Tampa Bay, we'd play in, and then fly, play them, fly to Fort Lauderdale, fly to New York, and then fly to Washington, play four games in, in like nine days and be home on the 10th day. And uh, I remember one time, I think we might have spoke about this on one of your shows, um, uh, I remember sitting in Fort Lauderdale after one game. It was about our third match, and everybody was in the bar. Everybody had a drink, and they had their feet in ice buckets. They had ice packs on their knees. They had ice pack on their necks, on their shoulders, everywhere. It was like uh, it was like a. Uh, uh, if you watch Mash, you know Alan Alder, uh, you know the mobile mobile uh, hospital in Vietnam. Uh, it was like the scene from that when the you know they they take you through and they're all every all the walking wounded were there and that was us and that and everybody got up and we played the fourth game and the you know when I see this managers moan today about oh they had a day off on Monday and we we didn't and all this and I think get on with it you know you know stop whinging and moaning and making ex basically just making excuses for poor performances. Absolutely. You referenced Hercules in Spain, but before you actually got that move to America, and as you've alluded to via uh, the great Bobby Moore, was there any whispers of you ever going to America beforehand? Because the gates were opening, wasn't they? The NASL was up and running. There was a number of players that went in the close season, pretty much in those days, early days, and, and earned a few quid more, so it seemed to us fans, by yeah. playing America and, and coming back. I know Malcolm McDonald, I'd done a, the podcast with Malcolm, and he always used to play during every close season. In fact, I mean, famously, when you got sent home from yeah. Australia with Malcolm, Malcolm was already over there. He come back and went back. But again, that was Terry Neal, and that was another story. So was there any chance that you had beforehand of going to yes, the Yes, there was. I there was, yes, there was. I don't know if you remember me telling you, but before I go on to that, it was um, it was uh, uh, them days was uh, where they play football year on year round now because of the money, which is ridiculous. They 
players need a break. Yeah. You could actually, it was a great idea to go to America and play in the close season because it was like a working holiday. Yeah. Um, although I trained hard and I took it serious and, you know, you, but you're keeping yourself throughout and you didn't have to come back and go through the vigorous routine of pre-season, which was the most painful thing you've ever... It's like, I can imagine a, how a lady feels having a baby. Well, if she'd done a pre-season at Chelsea or Arsenal or Stoke or whatever, it's painful, mate, really. And uh, so it, it, it knocks that on the head and you go and have a, go to a wonderful place in America. Great experience for English lads, you know, to go over there and experience the wonders of the USA. I mean, it's a magnificent country and... As I said to you before, I, I remember my namesake, uh, Rocky Hudson, at um, Newcastle United. He, he played the first season. I played against him. He was a real decent player. And I thought, this play, this fella's going to go places. And the first season in Newcastle, he went to Fort Lauderdale and never come back. Yeah. And he might have played for England, although he probably too good a player to play for England because he didn't pick the best players. But the one, but the, to answer your question, yes, I think we might have spoke about it. The the great man Billy Folks, who was in the Munich air crash, uh, phoned Tony Waddington and he said, "Can I go and speak to Alan? I would like to take him to um, San Jose. He was manager really? of San." Uh, I didn't know the way there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Didn't yeah. uh, well, George went there, Georgie. Yeah. Well, I played against San Jose when Bestie went there, but uh, that that was later. Anyway, uh, Billy come round my house in Barlison, which was a lovely part of the Potter. It's a beautiful place. I love the village. That's where they had the cake named after me and everything yeah. else, you know. Um, and I sat with Billy, and I said to Billy, uh, he wanted me to come. I wanted to go. I don't know for what reason I didn't go. I don't know whether I, I broke my leg or something. I, the only time I broke my leg but I said to him how do you feel about you know every game you go to Billy it's a flight you know you you went through if you don't mind me touching on it you went through the Munich thing and uh, he said no Alan he said you it's like falling off a bike you've got to get up and as soon as you get back on it you know and he told me the story of him sitting in the middle of the plane that were more to the front but in the middle where they have because he was about six foot two six foot three billy and he said i had plenty of leg room and i had a couple of seats next to me he said and i was really comfortable and bobby chelton come down from the back of the plane he said billy do me a favor come and sit with me he said because i've got this most horrible feeling and uh, Billy said, no, no, you come and sit with me. Look at the leg room I got. He went, no, 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 please come up the back, Billy. I got a horrible feeling. He said, now, went and sat up the back with Bobby Chelton. He said, and where, where it happened the, was where I was sitting. The, the, the plane kind of it would came in half. Uh, he said, if it hadn't been for Bobby asking me for it. And it is a wonderful story, you know, to live you know, like a little bit like me when I was in my camera and they had the last rights and all that. But, you know, to to actually be on that plane and think, you know, that could, you know, uh, then poor Bobby Charlton, I think that was why he lost his hair and he, everything else. I think that, that ruined him. You know, he, he, what he went on to do after the Munich air crash and Manchester United 
Busby rebuilding the team after that tragedy was just phenomenal. What a fantastic story. But sadly, you didn't go to San Jose. No. But you no, did. I'm glad I did. I did. I'm glad I didn't in the end because yeah. I might fell in love with San Jose and then not gone to. I might have signed in, but the only thing if I'd have signed for, signed for out of season for San Jose and then come back to play for Stoke, I probably would have loved that part of California. I didn't really know it too well, and and the following season, my first season, George signed for San Jose as as a like me, a permanent player, not a uh, out of season player. So. And I played against George at the Kingdom in his first game. We beat them 4-0 and he looked really out of shape. And and that's the only way I like playing against George when he was out of shape. <laughs> uh, because otherwise he'd tear you to pieces. But um, yeah, yeah. So it was what might have been. But, um, I, you know, although I love the sunshine, because 11 months of the year in Seattle, it's a rainy kind of place. But I never noticed the rain. I was, I just had a ball and... Uh, I had such a good time that I came back and the wife stayed over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that sums it all up, you know. But she didn't let me know when I got on the plane to come back. She didn't say nothing. She just uh, you know, took everything, raped, raped me of everything. But that's that's her prerogative. Um, good luck to her. But I had a fun, I had a fabulous time. Was there a, a favourite um, ground or team that you played against, Al? Uh, while you were out there in America, of course, yeah, yeah, it had to be New York, New York, didn't it? You yeah. know, um, Giant Stadium was, you know, a wonderful stadium. They had a fabulous team. They had uh, the Kaiser again, Franz Beckenbauer. They had Giorgio, who you know, who we spoke about, the great Giorgio Shinaglia. They had Bogachevic. They had. I was writing today about. Uh, uh, my friend Steve Battles knows no longer with us. He's yes. younger. He was younger than me. Uh, he gave Johan Niskins a right run around one night in Giant Stadium, and I scored the winning goal from a shootout, and first one I'd ever taken. And I was in the dressing room after, and the cameras shot on me, zoomed into me. He said, "Alan, you're man of the match tonight." And I said, "Look," I said, "You better move this camera." And I said, "See the fellow over there? Have you been watching the game? They didn't know much about the game." I said, no, no, I, that can't possibly be true. I said, this fellow was magnificent tonight. He, he ran. Yoan Neeskins played in the World Cup final and played alongside Yoan Cruyff and all that. And I said, my, my little mate from Bournemouth, let's give him the absolute runaround. I said, he's man of the match. I said, please don't embarrass, you know, don't embarrass me. So, but, but Giant Stadium, and it wasn't some. I, I, it was wasn't just playing there. It was the aftermatch, you know, the the piano bars, you know, and I I visualised Billy Joel when he met Christy Brinkley in the piano bar, and you know, and she sat next to me, sang this song about, her, you know, it, it, it's a dream. Yeah. You know, we can all. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. People say to me, "You're a dreamer, Al," and I went, "Yeah, it ain't bad actually. It's not bad dreaming because." Uh, if you can dream, then you can do something about making that dream come true. And uh, I, I did. I got to New York and I loved playing it. That was my stadium, my kind of people. They're the, the great, the New York people, because they were all, there was every nationality under the sun living in New York, as you know, uh, from Saturday Night Fever or whatever, you know. It was, um, they're all, all Hispanic and they're this, they're that, the other, you know. Uh, and they love their football, and that's that the great environment. And I, you know, I, I suppose if I had one 
little, if I could have tinkered with it, I would have loved to sign for New York Cosmos uh, to have a couple of years in New York. I love, I love the place, and I, I love the football club, and I'd love to play with. I'd love to uh, instead of going up and shaking hands with Giorgio before the game. I would have loved to have played with him. He was a fabulous man and a fabulous player. And I used to call him Don when I used to go up at a toss-up. It was like Don Corleone. He was like, you know, Marlon Brando, you know. And uh, I think I told you a story when uh, we played against him one day and he, he handed me over there New York banner. It, it was worth as much as our team. And, uh, and I didn't have a banner. I said, Giorgio, I'm so sorry. I said, our club's light years behind yours. And he said to me, Alan, don't bother, don't worry about that. He said, is your son at the game? I said, yeah, he's over on the touchline, actually. He said, we'll call him over. And I called young Alan over, and uh, he handed him the banner. Wow. He said, if we don't have one, then your son can have it. And that's what kind of man he was. You know, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, you can imagine in England, there's some of the players going to say, oh, well, what you, what you, you know, it would have been. But that's absolute top. Superstar, the man, and what a character! One of the game's great characters, and and a, and a great player to boot. I mean, a, a lot of people again used to diss the NAS, Alan, and say, "Well, they wouldn't have been able to do it in in Italy or in England." Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's rubbish. Lazio won the first league title, the Serie A, with Giorgio in the team. They, yeah. I mean, he scored a rake of goals for, uh, for, for Lazio. I mean, Giorgio Canalia would have scored goals anywhere he went. It was, it was the league of absolute superstars. And you reference Johan Naiskins. I was watching um, a video about Renus Michaels. Um, who, who was I think he I think he was born on this day. Sadly, he's passed away. I think he passed away to 2005. But it was going through his career, and Barcelona had won nothing for 14 years until they he, he brought Cruyff and Naiskins to the new camp, and they transformed Barcelona. Steve yeah. Butler giving him, and in your words today, when you posted that, ruined Naiskins. He ruined him. He really did ruin. I mean, if you didn't, you didn't know if you you if you were a stranger and just went to your first football match, you would have thought Steve Battle was the one that was yeah. touch and played in the World Cup. He was that good a player, you know. And I had the pleasure to, after he died, bless him, I had the pleasure to tell his son when I went back. He, he was grown up by then. I didn't never met his son while I was there, and I went back years later and. Uh, he said, I hear you was very good friends with my dad. I said, yeah, he's a very special man, mate. I said, uh, and what a player. I said, you you don't understand. If you get as much film as you can as your dad playing football, he was magic. He was absolute magic. And uh, fair play to Alan Hinton. He could have easily got rid of him when he moved and got and bought another player, top-name player from England. But he didn't. He knew how much I fault of him and when I nearly walked out on Seattle, Alan said don't worry about it, Battle's going to stay and I went, you better stay he's a top, top player, you know and, you know, you if I had went to Seattle, I would have never heard of Steve Battle so, them little little sidelines and you know, the, the, the magic memories and, and when I had a problem in my house, me and Maureen and young Al, you know I went to stay with him a few days before, uh 
if to have the place sorted out and uh, they were just a lovely lovely family it was one big happy family you know great great when you think you had players coming in from all directions from from england you know in chicago they were all german uh you know that was like england versus germany great matches in chicago uh you know they were they were like they were tough games mate new york would have been in the top three in england at that time alongside liverpool don't worry about that we would have been probably a little bit down the pecking order but new york with their players and their because they had the clout as well and of course they had pelly there then they had beckenbauer they had cruyff there and my my god they've had them all in their prime they'd have probably won the world cup you know world championship unbelievable but they they were and they and they did didn't they 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 used to go on tour the cosmos and they would fill grounds all around the world wherever they played uh, Europe was was certainly a, a place that uh, they used to like to ply the trade, but they uh, they come over and played at Stamford Bridge, didn't they? Uh, the they did. Had... They murdered. They murdered. They they toyed with Chelsea. Hmm. I was there that night. Johan played, and funny, strangely enough, I met his uh, cousin in the, come out of Turkish bars in in a place called Bayswater, and, and I went into a pub and I was speaking to this Dutch fellow, and it was it was, it was his uncle or something, and he said, "I'm going to the match," and I went, "Oh wow." You know, um, but, you know, they at that time, it's funny you mentioned that because it was like, they were like the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's the only way you can really sum it up. Only Harlem Globetrotters were, you know, did it for kicks and, you know, it was all for fun, really. But these were a seriously good team, fabulous team. But they were years ahead, wasn't they? I mean, they had a lot of big money backers behind the Cosmos. In fact, they were called uh, New York Metros before, and it wasn't a big enough name, so they called it the Cosmos because, like, instead of Metropolitan, were Cosmopolitan. And they, I mean, it would be Were they Warner Brothers, though, Paul? They were Warner Brothers. Yes, they were, yeah. The fella that owned Warner Brothers and I think Atari and and one or two other businesses as well. I mean, there was a lot of money going in there. But they were were selling, they were selling American uh, football, well, soccer, as they call it, but football as we know it. And as you alluded to, they were like the Ireland Globetrotters. (laughs) 